This is Consumed, the podcast about eaters, drinkers, thinkers, and makers. And this season, you get two for the price of one. I'm Jamie Lewis. And I'm Matt Cross. And this is my Consumed Podcast Tap Takeover. Okay, now, Matt, what qualifies you to take over this podcast? Well, I eat, drink, think, and now make. Uh Uh-huh. Plus, I was a guest on Consumed for season five. Yes, that's right. Go back and listen to the Matt Cross episode. I will put it in the show notes. Plus, I own the Broad Street Public House in San Luis Obispo. Mm -hmm. And I know everybody on the Central Coast because I've been a local musician for decades. I've probably played for at least half of your listeners' weddings. Yes, these are all very good reasons. I'm just now remembering why this was okay with me. So, listener, with the Tap Takeover, I asked Matt to choose every guest and to join me for a chat as we get to know these guests better. These are people I've met over the years and thought they'd be good for an interesting conversation. And you were not wrong, my friend. I was not wrong. Shall we get into it? Yes, let's do it. This is Consumed. Together with his cousin and business partner, Troy Larkin, Donovan Schmidt owns Pappy McGregor's Pub, Fish Gaucho Restaurant, 1122 Speakeasy, and the new Cane Tiki Room, all in downtown Paso Robles. Each of these businesses manifested in a special way, whether inspired by pub nights, a trip to Tulum, the aesthetic of Prohibition-era bars, even the pandemic helped birth one of their concepts. Donovan shared with Matt and me the way one beget the other, and about the lessons he's learned along the way. I was particularly interested in the 1122 Speakeasy, which is a place unlike any other on the Central Coast. Listen as Donovan discusses the first business he owned with Troy and how the next generation is starting to take over. Here's Matt and me chatting with Donovan Schmidt. Donovan Schmidt, thanks for coming down to Broad Street Public House, where we are currently recording. Hey, thanks for the props. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for having me. Of course. Yeah, my house is under construction, and I thought, yeah, we should definitely be somewhere else right now. So if you were going to tell somebody at a party what your title is, what would you say? Um, wow. Everything. Uh, dishwasher, uh, toilet scrubber. Are you still, do you still do this? Yeah, we, Troy and I have kind of built our businesses based on, we do it all. We're hands-on and I would never ask anybody to do something that I wouldn't do personally. Yeah. So, um, we started out at the bottom, you know, uh, Troy started out washing dishes for his dad, um, at Schooner's Wharf in Cayucas. Oh. I started out as a busboy at 16, uh, working at my mom's restaurant where she was a waitress and we kind of done every job on the way up. So now that we're owners and have several places, we're not better than that. We're still like with our roots, you know, so, um, awesome. I yeah. didn't realize you were a legacy of a restaurant. What was your mom's restaurant or yeah. what is your well, mom's she, restaurant? Well, she's just a waitress, like single yeah. mom growing up. And I remember doing my homework in the back of the restaurant mm-hmm. after school and help her roll silverware and <laughs> butter the garlic bread for her side work and stuff like that. So at a really early age, I remember that, like maybe 10 years old. Oh, wow. Um, and Troy grew up in the same business, um, but with his dad and his dad owned bars and he was the original owner of the Cayucas Tavern over Oh, really? What? Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, wait, not the original uh, yeah, it All started back? back in like the 70s or 80s oh, okay. uh, when it really got going. Yes. And Troy's uh, job was to mop it from front to back on his way to school. <laughs> and Ew. I, yeah, and so imagine like a 12-year-old kid in there or something. You know, <laughs> mopping up the Cayuga's Tower, I can imagine. Like. <laughs> with, the, with the women with the boobs and everything yeah, yeah. in there. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, so we both started really from the beginning, you know, and at the bottom. So 
um, keeps us humble and, you know, we'd never, uh, our, our staff sees us picking up cigarette butts and yeah. on the daily, you know, stuff like that. So I feel like that's, that's cool. important for staff to see too. Like, well, you win over loyalty when, 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 yeah. when your employees know you're going to, you're willing to do everything. It's like, okay, I can't not do what I'm supposed to do if they're willing yeah. to do everything. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, so when you and Matt met, describe for me how that happened. I think it was at San Luis, uh, oh, Pappy Pappy's, McGregor's, absolutely. right? Yeah. Well, started yeah. out as the kilt and then became Pappy, yeah. Pappy McGregor's. And uh, Matt would come in and play music for us and yeah. would always crush it and yeah. bring a good crowd. <laughs> so we always would have him back. And um, yeah, That's, so. that was it's absolutely to this day my favorite place ever in San Luis Obispo. Why? I, I loved Pappy's. Like, I, uh, I think at the time when I was just starting to play music. And then, you know, I used to play it on the patio and then they built a stage and I moved inside, but just the bartenders and like the regulars. And it was just, mm-hmm. it was, it had parking. It was away from downtown yes. and you got tourists, but it didn't feel like a tourist place. Yep. It didn't feel like, you know, kind of like it does now, whatever it became, but yeah. it was before it was like a, it was a destination. You know, you could park. I know I could walk in and be like, Hey, hey. you know, they had great bartenders, the two different, bar, like two different rooms, two different bars. Mm-hmm. Uh, the upstairs was killer. Yeah. That's like when I look back at see pictures, I'm like, Oh, I'm so mm-hmm. sad. You know, life happens in the hotel and all that was a bummer, but man, it was, it was, a, it was a killer spot. It yeah, was fun. Yeah. It was a, yeah. And the, and Paso is great too. I just, it's 45 minute drive for me. So it's yes. like, I don't, it's not, it was, it used to be a three minute drive and it was back roads to my house. So I can right. leave and be like, oh, I'll drive safe. And even when I shouldn't have probably, I shouldn't admit that, but yeah. Wait, what? <laughs> what? I think we've all been there. Um, the, the Pappy McGregor's I know from San Luis, um, was it has this really great spot it's now occurring to me that locals would go there but also it's right down among all those hotels mm-hmm. so it probably yeah. got a lot of people from out of town yeah we saw a lot of um like parents from cal poly in there and then just tourists in the in the general area that are staying there um a lot of the college crowd because they all lived kind of mm-hmm. in that neighborhood that's true yeah it's some like great locals yeah, yeah yeah some great regulars um like matt said um it really just kind of came down to the distance from us from Paso because our home base was Paso, mm-hmm. and it was hard to watch a place from a distance. Yeah, because um, yeah. we had Fish Gaucho in Paso, we had Pappy McGregor's in Paso, and it's just Troy and I, so it was a third place kind of away from us. Mm-hmm. Um, we always felt it wasn't ran as good as it should, mm-hmm. um, and then when the hotel came into, uh, they were going to took over the whole parking lot and they're going to build the hotel. They said that they were going to shut down for, it was going to be a 18 month project was what they said. And we said, okay, we'll give you two years. We'll shut down. You know, there's no rent due or anything like that. But at the two year mark, it wasn't even framed yet. I, yes. I was going to ask, how long was that? <laughs> yeah. In the end? Um, because they ran into all the hiccups with the city and yeah. permitting and all that. And um, in those two years, we really realized that, A, we didn't miss the drive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, staffing was always an issue with college uh, mm-hmm. employees, yeah. you know, kind of flaky and like mm-hmm. we're kind of beating to their own drum. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And rent was double what we were paying in Paso. Mm-hmm. Space was really big. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of just opened our eyes like, you know, Paso is like where our home is yeah. and we could really do a better job by owning places right here. Yeah. Um, so that's when we decided to like opt out of the lease when, 
you know, the two year deal was up and they weren't even close to being finished. So yeah. it's like as much as we loved, oh, it, it was a loved smart it down there. I mean, but, that makes, all that makes sense. Like if I was just thinking in, in reverse, like if I had, yeah. like, I had to go up to Paso every day to check on their business, I'm like, Oh my gosh, what a nightmare. I mean, exactly. yeah. yeah. When you have, especially with fa- starting a family and you don't want a 45 minute commute every other day to yeah. check in on one of your, you know, yeah, yeah I get it. I feel like that spot could be kind of anyone could be there. And I, I, I mean, a lot of different kinds of businesses could make it there. Um, but what you have in Paso is a really niche thing. And I always love some of the best career advice I ever got was only do what only you can do. And you do a great job right there. It's perfect for you. You've got now 1122 in the back, you know, capitalizing on the space that you already have probably feels a lot easier, comes a lot easier up in Paso, which is home base. Yeah. And the amount of business that is flowing through Paso now is, mm-hmm. is great. It's year round, you know, there's no yeah. seasons anymore. I mean, we used to say you get like maybe three months from January to March and really now it's maybe like two or three weeks in January and then it's like back going. So, yeah. um, yeah, it's great just being downtown and with fish gaucho and now the Tiki bar, right up. It's a half a block across the park, Tell you know? So the yeah, there's a Tiki bar. It's already open? Yeah, we opened two weeks ago. What's it called? Um, cane Tiki Room. Okay. It's kind of like sugar cane, but cane. Yep. Um, it, 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 hap- it was born in COVID, of all things. It was really cool to watch um, over Instagram. Huh. Yeah. yeah, it was, um, was kind of one of those accidental um, businesses that you hear about. During COVID, the speakeasy, uh, we ha- when we got to reopen that May of 2020, we had to all be outside. And the speakeasy is that dark, intimate, romantic, yeah. place, <laughs> 1930s. The whole vibe is like really cool and mysterious and yes. all that um, secret entry. But we took it on the patio and now it's like towards the end of May. It's in the 90s. It's light until eight o'clock at night. And we were trying to do the old fashions and the classic cocktails. And people were coming, but it wasn't business no, as usual place. Yeah. Yes. yes so after like three or four weeks we weren't making money and one of the bartenders there was just like you know what let's how about we embrace summer and throw on some hawaiian shirts and throw a couple blenders out there and oh, just do it like a tiki bar a pop-up we try anything so i went on amazon and spent i think we gave ourselves a 1500 dollars budget to just to <laughs> buy like fake palm trees and <laughs> bamboo coverings and just like randoms and uh we decorated we opened up a week later and from June to November, there was a line like out the door trying to get in. We only had about That's 30 seats. Amazing. Right? And it just like opened our eyes to maybe we need a tiki bar around here. <laughs> and I know we got creaky tiki in, in San yeah. Luis, yeah. but I mean, I wouldn't necessarily. We had them on yesterday. I, yes. I, I, I wouldn't call them a tiki bar. It's a it's a cool bar by the it's beach. Cool bar. Yeah. You guys are going Super like cool. the, the 50s, 60s retro yes. true tiki bar. Yeah. Um, so we dove in last uh, November of 2020. The location where it's at is right next to Fish Gaucho, was Stein's Barbecue, um, and it attaches to Fish Gaucho and it shares a hallway. So we called up the ABC board and it's like, hey, is there any way that our license would work how it does at Pappy's for the Speakeasy? Yeah. Um, so uh, an agent came out and inspected it and was like, yo, absolutely your license works next door. That's so, so it's cool. Like, Four bars for two alcohol licenses is pretty you insane. You are awesome. really good at that. <laughs> <laughs> Maximize. Yeah. It's so smart too. Yeah. And sustainable, so, you know. So once we got the green light from the ABC, it was like, 
all right, let's do this. Contacted the landlord, negotiated the lease, and we really started working on it like November of 2020. Mm -hmm. So now just opened two weeks ago in February. It was almost a year and a half project to get it off the ground. Do you have an outdoor area there or is it all? There's not an outdoor area. It's a, it's a pretty small space. We have seating for about 48 people. Mm -hmm. Um, a little bit bigger than this room here. Um, but it's the perfect size. It's, it's, it's cozy. Um, we're doing uh, food in there and then all the tiki cocktails and uh, the decorations, like Matt said, if you've seen on Instagram, it's just, yeah. it's like a mis- uh, like magical space. You know, yeah. It's really cool. Yeah. The like Trader Vic's feel for like, yes. you know, back in the day. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's genius to have four spots in Paso and you just run the gambit of like style, you know, British pub to yes. killer Mexican cuisine to tiki to 1920. I mean, it's like. You wouldn't walk in, any random person wouldn't walk in and go, I bet they own Papi McGregor's too. You know, it's like, you feel it's like totally different locations. Yeah, we get that a lot. And we really think things through a little bit and like what's missing. And in our travels, you know, um, the pub was our first, our first place uh, in Paso. And the reason it became about, I'm trying to make this quick, is we used to have (laughs) Schooner's Wharf in Cayucas and we'd go to the cities to. Oh, wait, you owned that? We used to. That was our very first place. Okay, okay. Yeah, 2001. Also, uh, a completely we bought that. different vibe. <laughs> right? <laughs> we bought it in 2001, and I was like 27, and Troy was 24, and we didn't know anything about business. Well done, yeah. But we knew it was a business that was making money, and the price was right. And luckily, some family helped us out um, to get started, and that was kind of how it all got off the ground. Um, but we'd research uh, seafood restaurants. We'd go to the cities, and we'd always end up in a pub at nighttime. Yeah. They're always fun. There's music. There's Guinness. It's always lively. We're like, there's nothing really like this. We had uh, McCarthy's in Slow, but they didn't do food. And uh, a place in Paso contacted us to open up Schooner's Wharf in Paso. And we went up there, and this is probably 2005. Paso was still pretty sleepy back mm-hmm. then. The wine, wine was getting off the ground, but it wasn't like the tourist attraction it is now. We're like, the, we walked in the space. It had been built in like uh, 1890 and we're like, space was built. Yeah. Wow. 1890. And, um, it just didn't feel like schooners. It didn't feel like a seafood restaurant. And we're like, this feels like a pub. It really just feels like it. And we started looking at it in that sense. And then that's how the crooked kilt. Yeah. Now Pappy McGregor's was kind of formed. I so agree that you wind up in a pub. My husband and I fell in love in the Abbey Tavern in the Richmond in San Francisco. And it's just, there's like, and that was with legit, like Irish people everywhere. Um, but you're right. That is kind of where you always wind up. Yeah. They're just, they're not necessarily tequila, which makes no sense. (laughs) (laughs) Not Guinness. (laughs) Well, that's how you start. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. Um, and then leading into fish gaucho, we were on vacation in, um, Tulum and Playa del Carmen a year or two before Fish Gaucho was born and we were eating just amazing ceviche and fish tacos and really fresh margaritas and we were saying Paso you know we have some traditional Mexican restaurants a lot of stuff covered with heavy cheese and sausages you know number two combo you know with rice and beans yeah Yeah. Um, I was like we can't get this back home and we're sitting in a hot tub drinking tequila and I remember saying to him like we need this back home Mm. and we got back home and the corner where fish gaucho is was an old furniture store and it was for lease for like six months prior driven by it you know 30 times but never really dawned on us like we need this kind of restaurant and so negotiated the lease the landlord built out the kitchen for us because we were still kind of new in the business and didn't have like tons of cash 
And that's kind of what spawned fish gaucho is just on a vacation, just like we cannot eat this awesome food back home. Mm. It's so, so beautiful in there. And you happen to have Matt, who, you know, is such a talented um, bartender and all of that tequila, the wall of tequila. <laughs> and the fact that it's on a corner is very specific to the layout, I think. It has this presence there on the corner that you can't help but notice mm. it. Bright light inside, and it yeah. does feel like Mexico. You know, and the colors and the way it's, um, the aesthetic of it is very accurate. You got to give a shout out to Mike up at Luna Rustica right up the street here. He helped oh. us with all the furniture and the oh, vibe. That's cool. He no imports wonder. a lot yeah. of that stuff. I, yeah, I'm like, oh, you see that? You're like, oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, of course. He, <laughs> he helped us furnish the whole thing. A lot of custom pieces were made down in Guadalajara oh, wow. that were sh- oh, shipped in. And uh, without him, it probably wouldn't have that, that authentic feel. Right. I want to take a minute to shout out to a couple of good friends of this podcast. Consumed is sponsored by Mid-State Containers, Cargo Storage Containers, and Refrigerated Shipping Containers for sale and rent in California. You may not understand how Mid-State Containers could change your life, but the truth is many, many guests on the Consumed podcast use Mid-State for their projects. Containers can serve as wine storage units for case goods, for private collections, and even tasting rooms. They can be refrigerated storage containers for breweries, kegs, and fruit during harvest for wineries. Mid-State Containers outfits coolers and freezers for ranchers, farmers market growers, orchards, and butchers. Containers can make great pop-up coffee bars and berry containers for root cellars. My guest from Season 10, Krista Flieger from Lonely Palm Ranch, uses her Mid-State Container for an office on her property. Other ideas include schoolrooms, music and photography studios, and there are other things that can be grown, stored, and processed in a mid-state container, so use your imagination and get on their website to request a quote, midstatecontainers.com. Once more, I want to give love to a couple other podcast friends. Slow Food Co-op is your friendly neighborhood grocer, maintaining local, organic, and non-GMO standards. Slow Food Co-op sources from local producers, ensuring they offer their shoppers great food and household staples. With a mission to empower health and well-being in the community, they offer local produce, meats, low-to-no-waste foods, and wellness items. You can find Slow's only community-owned grocery store on their website at slowfood.coop and visit Slow Food Co-op in-store at 2494 Victoria Avenue in San Luis Obispo, California. I love both of those properties, but the speakeasy is really special. I mean, everything you do is special, but that is like the jewel in the crown to me. Um, Well, you pulled it off. I think so many people try and pull off a speakeasy. Totally. and, And it's like, you know, but I remember when we went, it was like, Oh my god! Like this is legit, you know, and like it was it's cool. I totally interrupted inside. you, but we no, we we, okay. we were in line and uh, they're like, oh, we've got one table, so they're like, you can go unless you guys want to. And there's another couple, and they're like, do you guys want to sit with us? We're like, sure. So kind of have to. Yeah, well, right? this, yeah. So this other couple invites us to sit with them from you know they're visiting from Bakersfield and like went in and like I had all the cotton. They're like, we're ba- we're buying everything. We're like, oh, this is great. Yeah. Oh. So it was like oh. the best experience ever. So it was like <laughs> they got our tab. We met some new people, but it was just yeah coming into like the little in- interior waiting area, then your table, and you know co- having the cocktail made, but then like finished at the table and seeing that stuff was so cool. Yeah. Just all yeah. and all of the interior, like aren't there? There's brass monkeys in places, aren't there? Like the there light is. fixtures or something. Yeah. Yeah, it's so <laughs> special the way it's laid out. It's like a little jewel box. It's tiny. How many people total? Um, 27 seats. Okay, but yeah. at the same time, 
every detail. There are no cut corners. It doesn't feel like in there. It is the most expensive <laughs> 900 square feet <laughs> in the county. <laughs> That's what Troy and I joke about. It was, uh, we had a budget and about halfway through, uh, we blew the budget. We're like, we're all in on this. This is, we have to do every little detail. Mm. We have to like rethink this. And if it's going to be something special, we have to go all the, all in. Um, and I don't think you've been back since the secret entrance has been added. We added it during COVID. Talk about that. I don't know if I have. Or is it a secret you can share? Do you want to? Yeah, no, my. It's it's, it's going to make people show up. I felt like it was pretty secret before. So (laughs) yeah, well, it's located behind Pappy's. Yeah. Um, so, you, it's not on a really a street where people walk, so you have to know about it to even find it. So right. that's in it in itself is a little secret. But before when you'd walk in, we just have, would have like two side walls with like a curtain where yes. you couldn't really see yes. past the curtain, but you could see to the ceiling and you can see the chandelier and like the detail in the ceiling. Um, but what we noticed those first two years of business, every time that door would swing open during daylight savings time, like a flood of light would flash changes into the, the bar vibe. and it changes the whole vibe. Absolutely. And so when we were shut down during COVID, we had this idea of an enclosed like room slash with a secret bookcase yes. kind of oh, entry. Right. Yeah. So, um, we got this, this idea and we're like, you know, this is the perfect time. If we're ever going to do it, it's right now. Right. Have, you know, we have time on our hands. So we got our, a carpenter in who did all the work in there already and he matched it like perfectly. Now it's this little enclosed room that's uh, about six people can get in at a time. Um, you get all the rules of the house. We lock up your cell phone, uh, give it back to you. That's a new, a new thing. So we're actually taking away people's phones, putting them on silent, handing them back to them in this little case. That um, like silent, it, it, it keeps it. Does it actually do something where it like cuts? It the just signal? locks it. It just locks. No, no. Um, they put it on silent and lock it in there. And what we do is um, they hold on to it. So, But if they have an emergency, they could go outside and take a phone call. Or okay. if they need to call the babysitter, we can unlock it for special you know, reasons. Yeah. But That's great. It takes That's people so like, to this it. time when there was no phone. Yes. Yeah. And they're actually having conversation at the table and meeting new people, like you said. Yeah, yeah. Has that um, messed with – I'm sorry to interrupt. Has that yeah. messed with your social media presence at all if people can't take photos? We are – Yes, <laughs> but it also adds to the mystery of the place yes. too. Yeah, so the absolutely. Only, the only photos you see, we have a great Instagram, yep. but it's all our content. Right. What you we want to see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's so dark in there. People would do put their flashes on and take photos, and you have this bleached Crappy out picture, picture of this awesome cocktail, and it didn't look very good. Yeah. And then they would tag us in the social media, and then you got these like really bad photos. Yeah. And then also you got flash bulbs like paparazzi in this environment when it's supposed to be dark and intimate and candlelit. I love that. And so um, people push back at first and like, no, you can't take my phone. And by the time they leave, they're just like, reach out and like, thank you. That was the most awesome experience. Because you don't get a chance to, where you're forced to disconnect, you know? Yeah. Even no matter how, I'm like, I hate my phone, but I'm like, I'm on it all the time. You know, it's like, I love, like, that's why we we go camping. I'm like, is there any cell signal at your campground? Like, I want to be out in the middle of nowhere. Like, no one can get a hold of me. I'm checked out for a week and a half. And then you you don't feel tempted to pick it up. Right. And that's a big thing for me. It's like, well, it's toast. Right. Because you can't just choose to not use your phone anymore because it's so inundated in our society that it's like, almost like, okay, everyone agree. We're all not going to use it for like on the weekends or, you know, it's just never going to happen again. But yeah, to be able to go to a place where they force you to do it is awesome for sure. And I bet as I'm thinking it through, there are people who might show up hoping for a photo shoot at the bar 
And when they find out they can't do that, it might kind of self-select the sorts of people who want to come in. I don't mean to disparage influencers or whatever, (laughs) but I like that people come to be with each other. They come for the cocktails and for the experience, not so much for the get the picture and leave. Yeah. What we are doing, we've seen a lot of people at the front door. There's a really cool plaque under gas lamps that people pose in front of the door. Yeah. They still have their phone at that point. They come in that little secret room and in front of the bookcase um, before we lock it, we allow them to do a photo if they want. But as soon as we pull the the door open and enter into the speakeasy at that time, there's no more. So we're seeing a lot of those photos. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And really like nine out of 10 people are like, what? And then 10 out of 10 at the end, we're like, I love that. (laughs) That's great. (laughs) So, so so smart. Describe for a listener how, what it looks like when you walk up. I mean, I'll just say it's an alleyway. It's really not a street. It's on railroad street. It's a highly traveled like by cars, but it's mostly like an employee parking zone for like downtown Paso. Mm -hmm. They do have plans to make that like a promenade. Uh, Paso wants to expand to that back street to get some wineries, tasting rooms back there. And some other things. Because so, you paved uh, the way. They saw maybe, that you were yeah, maybe we started something, which is awesome because then we got the back gate of Pappy McGregor's on that street. We got mm. the speakeasy. So if it does go that direction, that'd be amazing for us. Right. Yeah. Um, but when you walk in, um, are you meaning the when front? When you walk up to it. Front. If it's yeah, a speakeasy, so how do you know it's we've, there? When we first built it, we wanted it to be super secret, right? So there was just a door, a plaque, two gas lamps, and a small little awning like rain cover over the front door. Um, now moving down the line, we are there also to make money. So we've got a bigger awning and actually have our logo on the front of it and have added heaters and speakers out there. So when people are waiting line, when we do have a line, it's a little more comfortable rain or shine, you got cover. If it's cold, we got heaters. So we've kind of expanded the front a little bit. So it's definitely more noticeable now than when it was originally built. And that's just by growth, just because uh, people are freezing cold in the winter and we still want to be busy. So you give them heaters. Right. And if it rains in the spring, you don't want them not showing up because it's raining. So Well, there's often a wait, you know, with only 27 seats. you got to be comfortable. Yeah, we have started a time limit also. Um, This is new after COVID, 90 minutes. It's enough time for two cocktails, three if you're like know exactly what you want to order. Right, right. Um, So we can keep that line moving. And we've also launched reservations, which is a first also. Um, Weekday reservations, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Sundays. Um, Select amount of reservations just for people on a schedule nowadays. I got dinner reservations and I'm going to be, got to be here or there or Mm -hmm. tasting. Um, So waiting in line always isn't um, an option, but it's also part of the experience. People enjoy that part too, that don't have reservations Mm -hmm. and they're meeting new people Mm -hmm. and chatting. So So for locals, like what's the, if they want to hit it on a fairly uh, uh, slow night so they can get in, what's like the best night to come in? Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursdays, you can almost get in. With a very short wait, if any. Okay, nice. Um, and there's usually reservation options on those nights. Okay. Um, Fridays and Saturdays, tourists definitely know about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, Sundays are a little busier than the weekdays, but still accessible mm-hmm. um, pretty easily. It's just a Friday and Saturday, yeah. you know, the the uh, the tourists from all over show up and they know about the place. And, yeah. And they're the ones waiting in line. Yeah. Know, so. You know that, so my birthday is April 3rd. COVID shut everything down, what, like Mm mid-March of 2020. 
And we had plans to have a little group of friends go to the speakeasy two weeks after everything shut down. And I think of all the things that made me sad, it made me sad that my kids couldn't go to school, made me sad that people were dying. <laughs> and third... But most of all... <laughs> the and alcohol. third... No, I just thought, oh, I was so excited to have a little crew come in. Um, and we were trying to negotiate. How is that going to happen? They don't take reservations. You know, how do we mm-hmm. ensure that we can get in? And I was supposed to have dinner at Le Petit Canai and then go over there. It's just like the perfect night. So we're going to have to re-institute Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Okay, but yeah. I will say what ended up happening for my birthday is Matt Cross and a bunch of friends showed up. <laughs> I had no idea they were going to do this in our street. He pulled up, opened his minivan back. <laughs> had a sound system, started cranking Superstition by Stevie Wonder, like loud. And <laughs> awesome. a bunch of different families showed up and we danced. One of my friends, Nicole Kiker, showed oh, up cool. with, with chalk and made a big circle for her family and said, you don't go outside this circle. And we all kind of danced <laughs> separately in the street. That was that's, really fun. I did, like, cool I did like five or six COVID birthdays where I, like, yeah. I pulled up with a battery PA and sang to people for like half an hour and then drove away or yeah, did like we mobile DJ that. stuff. That is yeah. awesome. It was cool. Yeah, putting smiles on people's Yeah, well, because like, I had nothing going. I mean, I, everything I do was shut down for COVID. So yeah. Right. So weird back then. Like you, everybody was so afraid back then. Yeah. You didn't know. And it was the lowest amount of cases. And <laughs> yeah. right now two years later, you have all the data and everything. Yeah. And it's just not the same. Yeah. We just didn't yeah. know how transmissible it was. Mm-hmm. We didn't know what the long-term effects were. We, yeah. We were terrified. Well, not, I mean, it sounds like you not only survived COVID, but you guys thrived because of it. Yes. You learned that the, I mean, the whole concept of the Tiki bar came out of it, which is pretty rad. Yeah. So, so weird. We went into it just like, Hey, let's keep our head above water. Right, right. And it came out on the other end, like we got a new business. That's <laughs> <laughs> so that cool. cool. Yeah, and it's doing really well. We're like I said, two weeks in, and yeah. rave reviews. And yeah, it, there's a line trying to keep That's people out. Awesome. When we open the doors, there's people waiting, which is oh. cool. Like you yeah. open the doors, you just hope people show up, right? I think it was like uh, five, five or six years ago. We went up and got a room at the Paso Inn just so I could go to like Pappy's twice in a row and get like the, my fix. Like, go. I mean, just go in and like get food and have beers and talk to people that you know that I knew. I was like, now we can go up and you can hit. You know, there's four different places you can hit and total different experiences from. Are any of them open for breakfast? I, I, I like no complete. Breakfast, the, oh, yeah. get breakfast somewhere else. But I was like, you can complete the circle, do every meal at one of your places. But. Yeah, I got to make a weekend of it and come up and do all the things, man. That sounds fun. fun to make a trail of your properties. Yeah. What's the name of your business? Like, what do you call yourself? Uh, we actually just came up with this recently uh, <laughs> because we're like, okay, we got four places. And, you know, we got like the Ash Group down here. Yeah, yeah. Trying our fans of places called the 2 and 3 Group down in L.A. And they have multiple places. And we're kind of like asking like ourselves, like, do we need to do that? Because mm-hmm. it was just Troy and Donovan, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, but... Pappy McGregor's is on Pine Street, mm-hmm. along with on the back patio is the Speakeasy, um, and over on Park Street is Fish Gaucho and now Kane Tiki Room, yeah. and so we named ourselves the Park and Pine Group. So, Cute. Cool. Yeah. So kind of masculine. I don't know. That's yeah. Kinda, yeah. yeah. So yeah. that just happened. So I don't know if we ever have something on Spring Street. What's going to happen? Because <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't fit. But um, yeah. So we're officially now the Park okay. and Pine Group. And so are, are you guys kind of like? We're going to settle on these locations and ma- maximize them. Or are you guys looking to do more and more things? As of today, I think we are content. And just, <laughs> just we have a lot going on. Yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, more is not always better. No, We're, that's true. If we go back to the St. Louis situation, when we had that, that extra place, 
Um, I'm able to keep my eye on Pappy McGregor's in the speakeasy every day. And Troy is over at Fish Gaucho and Kane. We're equal partners in everything. But we have our... Divide up your responsibilities. Yeah, if we had a, another location somewhere that we're not in, now we're in that same, like, who's watching it kind yeah. of situation. Um, and if you ask our wives, we're absolutely done. <laughs> because they're like, you need to be, you know, you need to be home. And yeah. we have kids and all that. So I think, I think we're super content. And we found our niche and Absolutely. I don't even know what the next concept would be because yeah. Paso has so many other great things. We have Italian and we have yeah, yeah. Uh, sushi and we have all the fun cowboy bar. You know, there's all, yeah, there's yeah. already one of everything or a multiple. Southern style hatch, you know? Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah. So I would say for now, I think this is going to be it. As I speak, one of my sponsors, James Oniveros, is in New York City pouring at the Wine and Spirits Top 100 Wineries event. And why? Because Native Nine Wine has been named one of the top 100 wineries in the world, along with a couple other consumed alums, Scar of the Sea, Aubon Clement, and Tally Vineyards. It's incredible to think how each of these people and their wineries started at the bottom and worked their way up. For James, wine, and particularly Pinot Noir, has been a lifelong pursuit. You can learn all about James, the land he lives on and works, and his wines during a private tasting at the ranch in Santa Maria Valley. As the folks at Ranchos de Anaveros say, this is not your average tasting experience. Plan to be out there for like two to three hours and bring your boots. For more information, visit ranchosdeanaveros.com. The Consumed Podcast is sponsored by Slow Life Magazine, a semi-monthly lifestyle publication that highlights what makes San Luis Obispo so special. I write the food column for Slow Life, and we've sort of changed up the format in recent months, and I really like where it's headed. I've been featuring just one local food-related business and really drilling down to discover what makes it tick. For the April 2022 issue, I interviewed Fabian Tefera about her Ethiopian takeout restaurant, Ebony Slow. Yep, you may recognize Fabian's name because she was on the first season of this podcast in 2019. If you want to know more about Ebony Slow and Ethiopian food here on the Central Coast, check out that issue of Slow Life Magazine or visit slowlifemagazine.com. So you and Troy pretty much split duties by by splitting the properties and what you handle. But uh, do you have a strength that complements something that he has a strength with? Like you, yeah, I mean, you've been partners for so long. You must have identified. Yeah, um, and everybody we've ever talked to is how how do you guys make it work? Partnerships don't so don't hard. last, mm-hmm. and we're in our twenty first year. I mean, cousins, uh, being cousins helps. Okay. Oh, yeah, we're cousins. Yeah, so we're family. We grew up as kids together. And, oh, okay. Um, I didn't yeah, know that. so we have that that connection. Um, and in all of our years, I think we've only had one one argument. And there's say, a lot though. of alcohol involved that <laughs> night. Yeah, right. <laughs> so. Being family can also complicate yeah, uh, yeah, all absolutely. that. I mean, yeah. it's pretty cool. Yeah, no, we're super close. Um, you know, as almost best friends in a way, business partners and cousins, all of that combined. Um, even like brothers, I don't have... Um, like a, a brother nearby. And um, so, yeah, just have that close niche thing. So our strengths, I would say, complement each other. Um, I'm more um, operations oriented. Like I, I see the, the details and like how the processes are going on. Troy's more like customer service focused and he's really good with like the numbers and like running a, a poor cost and food cost. Um, and I'm 
also lean on the more marketing side and like, how do we get our name out there? And like, mm-hmm. how do we do social media and all that? So we each have kind of our niches and it just fits together. Perfect. If, yeah. if we only did one of those and not the other, it probably wouldn't be as good. Yeah. That seems to work really well, actually. Yeah. Um, just as an aside, because you have a tiki bar, there's a guy who I know, his name's Jeremy Spears. Have you ever heard of this guy? No. Okay. Mm-hmm. He is an animator for Disney. And he, as he was working for Disney, I, if I'm, if I know this correctly, I may not, but the legend has it that Disneyland needed replacements for the tiki room of their like wood whittled, um, little statuettes and things like that. And he said, well, I can do that. And he did all of the, redid all the statuettes for the tiki bar, the tiki room, um, and I hear that he lives in Atascadero again. He was down in L.A. and now he's back. He does amazing work. If you ever need someone to do <laughs> yeah. mugs, cups, Custom, yeah. statuettes, anything like that, he's pretty amazing. That's, That's a weird awesome. niche um, yeah. talent. <laughs> Absolutely. We got really lucky and found somebody very similar to that. Um, most people around here maybe have heard of Daniel Woodlands. Oh, yes. Up in Paso, the Chainsaw Guys. Yes, you know, of course. Redwood Kings, I think, mm. was their TV show. Yeah. Um, we put on Facebook early on in this whole concept, um, trying to figure it out, like on, does anybody do tiki carvings around here? Does anybody know anybody? We got several people and maybe one of them was the gentleman you just answered. Yeah. Um, but somebody had recommended Daniel's Woodlands. And so Mm -hmm. we knew them from the TV show and we're like, there's no way we can afford those guys. Like there's, you know, but Hey, let's go see what they got. So we walked into their warehouse and were blown away and they're doing movie sets for, you know, uh, big time movies like Pirates of the Caribbean and oh, Star Wars. Wow. You see oh these gosh. sets and props in there, and like, you guys made this? Like, oh yeah, we yeah we that's what we do. I thought you just did tree houses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, they have, I guess, California's largest three D printer in there. It's like takes oh, up this a room like the size of this. It's ridiculous. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, so we walked out of that meeting just like there is no way we can afford these guys, but they have never worked with anybody local. And they were recreating at the same time the Enchanted Tiki Room from Disneyland. They have contracts with Disney also. And so, of course, being a chainsaw wizard, his tiki are awesome. Um, We have, so we have several of those around uh, the tiki bar. So they cut us a deal. Basically, like we need to have more local presence. Mm -hmm. We do everything from Saudi Arabia to Florida oh, wow. to wherever. And they're saving um, on cost in so many years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, they wanted, they want, they, their imagination is beyond what Troy and I's vision was. And we just had to like reel them in just a little bit. And we weren't trying to recreate the Enchanted Tiki Room at Disney. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't want you to have um, that first experience. And then you get bored of that after seeing it like the third time and the fourth time. Right. Um, so we kind of stayed away from all the animated, like talking yeah. birds and singing <laughs> Birds of Paradise, and, which would have cost hundreds of thousands yeah, of dollars. Sure. <laughs> um, but that's very specific. You're right. Yeah. You need something that can evolve. Yeah. You don't want to go there for dinner and like, oh, yeah, this is getting really old really fast, you yeah. know? So, yeah. um, so anyway, we worked with them and they probably uh, did 15 pieces for us in there. Everything from an animated uh, water fountain no. that lights up to fireboxes to um, tiki, multiple tiki carvings. We have three tiki carvings that weigh over 700 pounds. Oh, wow. Two oh, that guard the front doors and then one inside. And, and people are like, where did you get these things? It's oh, like right here awesome. in Paso and they can't believe oh, it. So That sounds magical. 
magical. So their yeah. their shop is in Paso with yeah, that largest 3D printer. Like yeah. big enough to make a house? <laughs> in pieces, yes. Not, not all at once. Isn't that but yes. Wow. Um, but it's the size, it's like bigger than like um it's like the size of a cargo van. This printer itself. Wow. Yeah, it's really cool. That's crazy. So, so what's the, 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 you said you had this food at the Tiki Room. Yeah. What was, what inspired the menu? What kind of, what, what are you going for? That's the question we get the most. Do you do food? Um, oh. and, uh, with our liquor license, we have to offer food. Yep. So, um, we had our chef over at Fish Gaucho learn how to do, um, uh, like Polynesian, Hawaiian style okay. dishes. Lots of pineapple. Lots yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, some of our dishes on there, we have uh, 10 small bites, essentially, all like focused on like sharing with friends. So cool. you, if the three of us came in, we probably order four or five things and just all take kind of like samples off of it. Um, everything from ahi pokey uh, to shrimp and pork egg rolls, um, chicken lettuce cups, mm, fried nice. rice. Um, span masubi. Oh, nice. Which is super huge in Hawaii. Oh, like, my if gosh. You've been to it's my Hawaii. favorite thing. Yeah. We went, we went last time I couldn't find it. I like, made it myself. I was like, yeah. oh, I cannot be in Hawaii and not get Spam masubi. Oh, we did uh, Spam sliders at the, we called the back to the uh, Tiki bar on the back patio yeah. for the Speakeasy. We actually named it the Teak Easy. <laughs> so <laughs> instead of a Speakeasy. Yes. Um, but in the Teak Easy, we had Spam and people were like just raving about it. Yeah. So we knew we had to have Spam on our regular menu. So we can do Spam fried rice, Spam masubi. Um, we also do some like more entree dishes like chicken kebabs, uh, Mongolian beef, uh, firecracker shrimp, which is like a spicy fried shrimp. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, really, really fun. Yeah. All shareable dishes. And, um, yeah, that is, it's so creative. The way that you conceptualize things is really creative. And it makes me wonder when you were a kid, were you, are you, were you a super creative kid? Were you into art or like into putting on plays or because so <laughs> no. much of this is you walk in and you are fully absorbed into a concept. Yeah. Uh, no, I was like a sports nerd, played every sport and watched sports 24 seven. Um, <laughs> I think our creative side really came from Troy's dad. Mm. Um, if you've ever walked into say Cayucas Tavern or Schooner's, Schooner's Wharf, yeah, yeah. they're yeah. very themed. And he thought about all that. And then we essentially worked for him in the early days at Schooner's and then bought it from him. Mm -hmm. But we were kind of see how he kind of transported somebody and we started noticing all that. So when we started doing our other places like Crooked Kilt, mm -hmm. yeah. how do we make this look like an authentic pub? And we kind of were like leaning on his knowledge to kind of get us there. And then over the years, we've just kind of evolved our own style. Mm. Why'd that. you rename it, by the way? Why'd you rename Cricket Kilt to Pappy McGregor? <laughs> there was did a place. Did you get a cease and desist? We yep. did, yeah. yeah. There was um, a place called the Tilted Kilt. Oh. I guess they started out in Vegas, and they opened maybe six months before we opened. Oh, really? Was it that close? It was pretty close, because oh, we wow. did our research on it once we got this letter. Right. <laughs> um, we were open in Paso for three years before we opened the location in San Luis. Mm -hmm. So... Apparently they knew about us those three years, but as soon as we opened our second location, they were like, they yeah. were like, Oh, they're going to start expanding. And so their lawyers sent us the letter At that time. They went from one to, I guess like 20 in those three years. They have a lot of money behind them. They're starting to pop up everywhere. Well, and they're like Hooters. It's, it's like girl, naked Hooters. women walk. No, it's for it's, real. Oh yeah. yeah. It's like nothing. Like I went, I went in and I was, I was so like, I was just like embarrassed for the girls. Yes. I was like, I, I can't stay here. Like this is, yeah. I feel I love that you say Hooters and I'm like, oh, Hooters. I'm, no, I'm like, seriously. I felt, I felt dirty. Like I was like, I feel like I'm in a strip club. That's not the vibe I was going for. I want to go to a pub. Exactly. This is like a strip club disguised as a pub. Yeah. Yeah. So they were going after, if, if you had the kilt 
in your name, the plaid kilt, the green kilt. They yeah. wanted to be the place with the kilt Irish pub mm-hmm. name. So we, uh, our lawyer had looked into them and they had sued multiple places across the country that had even been established before them. Um, just trying to drag you through litigation and see if they can close you down or change your name. So we had no money back then. Um, and so lawyer said, it's probably a hundred thousand grand to fight these guys. You're going to win at the end. There's no way they can make you change your name. Um, or you can for probably 10 grand, just rebrand yourself. So we had 10 grand, we didn't have a hundred. So, um, we kind of took it public, which was kind of yeah. fun. I just um, found in my in one of my journals. We were, we were going through a bunch of boxes, and there's a page where you, when you guys ask for suggestions, I've got like fifty like name suggestions, and I was like throwing in there. I'm like, well, I'm glad I didn't go with any of those. <laughs> <laughs> I just saw that. Yeah, how funny. Yeah, yeah I was like, because it was like, I, I don't know if it was. Three, if it was Instagram yet or not. I think it was. I can't remember. But I think Facebook. Facebook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was Facebook. And it was like, hey, you know, email us your ideas. And I was like, every day, like, five more ideas. Yeah. Matt's always good for an idea. It was really hard to find a unique name. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what we were looking for. You didn't want to be, like, the fourth Irish bank or the, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. the third whatever. Oh, there's one in Florida or there's one in Texas. We were really trying to come up with something unique. And neither Troy and I are Irish. And everybody would ask us at the very beginning, Oh, you guys are Irish. You know, you open an Irish pub and we'd kind of like, Oh yeah, kind of joke around. <laughs> and so a few months into the crooked kilt, we kind of came up with this fictitious story. And I guess I can say this now that we're established. <laughs> it's been like 16 years. Um, but I went on Google and just found an image of an old Irish guy wearing a driver hat and we framed it and put it up on the wall. And we're like, we need a name for him. And we're like, what do they call their grandpas in Ireland? Like, Pappy, you know? Mm-hmm. And so we just kind of drew a name out of the hat, like McGregor, right? Pappy McGregor. So we put it up there, and everybody's like, who's that? I'm like, oh, that's our grandfather, you know? He always you wanted to own. Liar. I, swear. I love it. It was the best. And for years, that was the story and, <laughs> and so when, many people buy people be like yeah. that's so cool i go that's not that's not a real story <laughs> like I mean, it's cool but like I, it doesn't affect me come i still come here and play music yeah. And, yeah. it's a better story now yeah <laughs> we're just too like we're each we're, we're mexican you know <laughs> so it's like how could you like come up with that so um so when we're like struggling finishing up that name story is like nothing was popping off the page mm-hmm. And it never even dawned on us to call it Pappy McGregor's. And then finally, it was like the day before the contest was going to end, and we were supposed to like announce a name. And a guy sitting at the bar, it's actually Dunbar. From oh, yeah. Dunbar Brewing. Yeah. Chris, Chris oh, really? Dunbar. Yeah. yeah. Um, he's like, why don't you guys just name it after your grandfather? You guys are like beating your head against the wall. And it was like a light bulb. Just like, duh. Like, yeah, yeah. you're right. We should just name it. And because that's kind of the story that had been going on all these years. So right. here we are now, that Pappy is a McGregor's. Good story that's now. awesome. Yeah. Um, when it comes to, you have so much experience doing this, you and Troy do, if you could give either your, you know, younger self advice or a young person trying to open a bar now, I mean, I think it's a lot different 16 or maybe someone who has a bar that's only been open for like three years. I mean, I don't know who that could be. Um, what kind of advice would you give? The best was going through all those hard times. Schooner's Wharf didn't know anything about business and we had to make mistakes to learn. Uh, we didn't go to college for this. We didn't have business degrees. It was kind of like what we knew then is what got, has gotten us to this point now. Mm-hmm. And we knew what good food was, mm-hmm. good drinks, and good service. We didn't know the business side. We learned that by making mistakes over yeah. those early years. But to this day, we focus on the three things. We focus on the customer. So the service has to be great. The food has to be great. And the drinks have to be great. And they have to feel a value for what you're giving them. 
you'll make money later if you focus on those. Mm. I think that to me is the biggest mistake because people go in it like I'm going to make money. But that doesn't come till down the line. Oh yeah, it's right. always been a surprise. That's the biggest thing I'm telling. Me, I, I'm like, you know, people will come by here. They're like, man, it's been full for like two, you're gonna be killing it. I'm all in about five years, hopefully. Okay. Yeah, I'll you got to pay off the bills. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm like, it's not, I'm not killing anything right now. But yeah, I mean, we had so many bank loans for the first 10, 12, 13 years. Like it was every time we opened a place, you take on a new loan. Yeah. Then you got rent. You got the bank note. You got the payroll. Mm. You got all the things that go into it. And so the money was really didn't come till these the last few years. Yeah. Uh, and Kane Tiki is the first place that we ever did without a loan. Oh wow! Which Congratulations! Is, That's which awesome. Is awesome. Yeah. yeah. So we're super proud of that. But yeah. it took us. We're in our twenty first year. <laughs> right. You're legal to drink now. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. So I, I would really say just focus on the customer yeah. and what their experience is. That to me is number one. And I, and people need to know that they uh, you don't get into this because it's, it's a quick buck. Like it's got to be a passion. It's got to be something that you do and you do well. You can't just throw it out on the side and you know hope it just takes off on its yeah. own. You know yeah. that was I mean that's one of the things I'm learning more and more here. You know after COVID we were shut down for so long and I got used to being home that when we re- reopened I'm like I'll just check in like once a week and it's like nope like. Now I'm back in like, you know, multiple times a week and checking, you know, yeah. monitoring stuff and cameras and because, you know, you you have employees that you trust, but but nobody's you and nobody's going to do the job that you would do. So you have yeah. to be a constant <clears throat> coaching and observing and that kind of thing. But, yeah, it's got to be it's part of your life. It's not just something you open on the side and walk Absolutely. away from. Yeah. Yeah. I am such a coward, really, when it comes to risk. But that's part of why I started this podcast is you'd have to be nuts to start a a restaurant or a bar. I mean, it's just so it's so hard and it's so prohibitive. Mm. Um, You mentioned that you got help from financial help from family. I mean, I think you have to have that kind of support. But anyway, I think that stories from crazy people is exactly what consumed (laughs) is about because these are people who will put everything out on the line to to have the thing that they want. Well, you, and you yeah. don't get, you don't get big places in life without throwing it down the line. Yeah. It's, it, everyone wants to sit cozy and comfortable at home and just have some amazing opportunity presented to you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. it's like, you gotta, you gotta take that risk. Luckily I'm the risk taker. My wife's not. So we have a good balance. Yeah. That is a good balance. Yeah. But you, cause if you're both risk takers, it can be scary. Oh, my father-in-law, every time we open a new place, my wife and I've been married for, I think 12 years now. Mm-hmm. So we've had three places open in those 12 years, you know, yeah. fish or San Luis, Fish Gaucho, well, 1122, and yeah. now Kane. So four places. But every time he's like, you're absolutely crazy. He's in the construction business uh. <laughs> and has always played it safe. Yeah. Um, and now he's at retirement age, and he's going to be great. But yeah. he every time he sees us throw like all this money towards a new concept without knowing if it was going to work. And said, it is going to work because we're paying attention to every detail, yeah. and the quality is going to be there. And you build it, and they will come. Like And yep. being in Paso, that helps. If we yeah. were... In a different town, Santa Margarita, or a town that there isn't like a lot of traffic, yeah. we probably wouldn't be doing that. Yeah, you know. So, but luckily, we're in Paso, and there's the future looks bright. And you've grown up with Paso as Paso has grown. Absolutely, you've grown. I mean, yeah. it's it's intertwined for sure. And the common thread is you, you guys identifying need. I mean, that's a that's a huge thing yes. to be able to like because like you know it's like coming to San Luis and say let's start a pizza place. It's like there's 50 pizza places. You know, like you got to go find out what's not there. And like you said, there wasn't a real pub. There wasn't a, a real speakeasy. There wasn't a real like you know a fresh that, Mexican fresh Mexican that style of seafood based. Yeah. You know, and so you filled those niches, which is you know so you're not competing with other people doing the same yep. thing. Yeah. We really take our time. Um, Troy and I will talk it out 
for months before even making a decision and looking at every little angle or even go do some R and D um, with the wives call that BS, but yeah. we, it's like you <laughs> guys just want to get away. <laughs> I want to be a pro- I want to be a professional R and D for a restaurant and bar owner. Like, yeah. I will go along and give you my opinion. You will weigh nine hundred pounds. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Oh my god. So no. So we'll take several trips and Troy and I will go eat and drink, kind of like our idea, and be like, "Can you see this in Paso?" Mm. And we'll just bounce it back and forth off each other. And if it sticks to the wall, we're just like, "All right, yeah. like we think this is going to do it." And then we push all the chips in, like we're we're going to do it one hundred percent, not sixty five. Yeah, you know, yeah. So, you mentioned that you and Trey are Mexican. Did you grow up eating Mexican food at home? Our grandmother makes the best. Oh, yes. what's your grandma's name? Her name's Betty. Oh, or nanny to us. Yeah, yeah. that was my my grandmother's name. Yeah, we called her nanny. She still lives down in Lakewood by herself. She's ninety two. Oh my gosh! Shout out to yeah. Betty. No longer yeah. uh, driving anymore, which she's That's, will tell you all about how upset she is. <laughs> it's best for all of us. I know, isn't that tough? I'm, they're gonna have to yank that. I'm, re- I'm, I'm out ready of my to throw. Fingers. I'm ready. To, oh my god! I'll take mine. I'll just take a driver. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> she's actually gonna be here in two weeks. She's never been to our speakeasy. And now the tiki bar, she's going to get to go to both. Fun. She doesn't travel very often, yeah. but my mom's bringing her up for a weekend. Oh, um, so we're super excited about How that. How fun for her to watch both of you, you know, succeed, do so together, well. Yeah. yeah, and to do it together must warm her heart, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely does. So when I asked you if you eat Mexican food, you went like this with your hands. It, what does that mean? <laughs> did she did she make tortillas yeah, yeah, and all that? Yeah, she would make all of that, and she would bring us into the kitchen and, like, help and to help her and stuff. And it's been years, obviously, since I got to enjoy that as much, but, um, yeah, she was kind of like the first, uh, first person she would cook for the whole family. Mm-hmm. My mom, not so much. Um, she is a good cook, but not like grandma. Like Everybody has busy. that grandma. Oh that. dude, I didn't, I wish I had that grandma. Like yeah. I hear yeah. about that grandma. And I was like, when I, I went to Italy with friends and they're like, Oh, our grandma's cooking. I'm like, Oh, this is going to be good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can still taste her tacos to this day. My <laughs> wife now makes them like her. Thank oh, God. So that's rad. I begged her to like learn how to do it. Oh, so, that's so yeah, cool. It's so really cool. Yeah. yeah, that is. Really well, I hope you guys, uh, get to like rest and enjoy your, the, your hard work now. Cause I know you guys, you've been busting butt for 20 years. It's nice to be able to start making some profit, enjoy life and not have to be constantly on the edge. Yeah. Um, we're kind of almost passing, not passing it down, but we're bringing on the next generation. Troy's daughter, who's now 22 years old, graduate, Shut graduate. Up. She started, uh, I remember Troy carrying her around in a backpack at schooners oh. when we first bought schooners. Oh my gosh. Um, she was an infant. Um, and so she's kind of grown up in the business and she went away to college and now she's back and she's worked every position at fish gaucho Yeah. Wow. from hostess to busser to server service assistant all the way up. She's now our general manager, oh, which is awesome. So Troy's working with her every How day. Rad. Um, my daughter's 18, my oldest, and I don't know if she's going to jump in, but she lives in thousand Oaks, but yeah, it's kind of like a passing of the torch. Not that we're going anywhere or right. stopping working, yeah. but um, you can see down the line, maybe in 10 years, we can start stepping yeah. back a little bit. Well, to, I mean, mm. that's so cool to create a, a legacy for your family. I mean, that, that the options there for them, you know, like that's so yes. cool to be, to see it successful and have a solid, isn't, you're not, you know, constantly like, are we going to be here in a year? Are we going to, you know, it's like, okay, yeah. we're going to be here and hopefully it's going to be, you know, we can come back in 20 years and yeah. be like, Oh my, my dad started this. And now you're, you know, you're the old man on the back, you know, just enjoying the fruits of your labor. Yeah. Sipping on the tequila. There yeah. you go. <laughs> and she's way more put together than we were. She's 22. <laughs> we were like 42 by the time we were that mature. Like oh, she's got it together and she's rad. doing a great job. So 
That's very cool. Yeah. yeah, you're right, though, to give a child an option to be like, look, you can do whatever you want, but you know you always have a job here. Yeah. That's money in the yeah. bank. Well, really. that, that's, I, that's the best job you can give, I think, your kids is that service job, like, yeah. you know, the busing and, and waiting tables. First of all, it's universal and just the social skills it gets to mm. having to look people in the eye and deal yeah. with, you know, irate people, but you have to be polite. Yeah. And, you know, it's, I think it's a, a great, Good skill. great skill. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Okay, so um, I ask everybody at the end of an interview, if it was the last day of your life and you're stoked about that, you're like, I've done everything I wanted to do in this life. I'm really happy about all my properties and tiki and speakeasy and all that. What would you eat on that day? What Ooh. would you drink and who would you be with? Well, I'd absolutely be with my uh, wife and kids, immediate family, of course. Mm -hmm. like, no, no brainer there. Food. Hmm. I have a lot of like <laughs> indulgences that I never eat. Yeah. And it can be random. Yeah. Um, fried chicken and mashed potatoes totally. with some corn, probably mixed, chopped up and all mixed together. <laughs> so you get creamy and crunchy all in the same bite. Like yeah. that to me is like, I've always said, what's my last meal if I was ever in jail? You know, like, <laughs> that's right there. Um, that would probably be the meal. And then, uh, Tequila is my absolute favorite thing to drink, okay. and I would probably reach to one of the top shelf bottles at Fish Gaucho, and we have some amazing tequila. What, what is your favorite tequila, personally? Um, you don't hear about you hear Clase Azul a lot. Yeah, they yeah. have a Reposado, which is the, the really white pretty blue white bottle, and blue. Yeah. I love their silver, their Plata tequila. Oh. It's just clear. Mm -hmm. It just has a little hint of sweetness to it. That uh, Don Julio nineteen forty two is amazing. Mm -hmm. um, those would probably just go to my go-to work. Mm. There's more expensive tequila, yeah. but I wouldn't necessarily just reach for it because it's expensive. Right. I really yeah. just want to enjoy like what I'm tasting. Yeah. Um, and a good bottle of French red wine, mm. like something from the Rhone Valley would just okay. be yes. like amazing. Like, yeah. I don't sip tequila. Do you just take you gotta get, you, you, you need to get really good. If you get, when you get really good tequila, it's, it spoils you. And I, I mean, yeah. it yeah. ruined my, my, my musician tab at a, when I was at Ventana, because like oh, I was sat with the owner one night, and he's like, he poured Glace Azul, and I was like, oh, well, this is next because I'm used to like Cuervo, you know, you're sure. just like, let's get, it, let's get it down and forget about it, you know. Yeah. And I was like, this is really good, so it doesn't tell me how much it costs, you know. So the next gig, I'm I'm ordering them, I'm ordering them as I'm playing. I order around for a table, oh, and they're like, cool. and they're like, so we pay you three hundred dollars a gig, and your tab's three hundred eighty dollars. I was like. I owe you eighty dollars. Okay, <laughs> that's hilarious. And they're all, and you no longer have a tab when you play. I was like, okay, yeah. tough, tough lesson. They came up on that. The poor cost was probably only thirty percent. So, yeah. Yeah, they did good. They did good, right? Donovan, it's so fun to talk to somebody who knows what they're doing. Whether you think you look that way or not, it just really looks good. Um, the whole thing is so fantastic, and I just wish you all the best. Thank you so yeah. much. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thank you. Thanks so much for listening to the Consumed Podcast Tap Takeover with the Matt Cross. <laughs> it was super fun. Yeah. Thank you for introducing me to all these new wonderful people. It was my pleasure. Okay. Time for a beer? Time for a beer. Yay! Woo! Consumed is produced by me, Jamie Lewis, and edited by Chris Lambert. To hear more stories from the eaters, drinkers, thinkers, and makers of California, to see guest photos, read their bios, maybe even get a recipe, visit letsgetconsumed.com. Thank you, and I'll see you next time.